Hi there. Thanks for being here. This is Charity Gibson, and you're listening to the Badass Women of Promo Podcast. Now, today's episode is a little different than what you've experienced with the Badass Women of Promo Podcast. First and foremost, the guest I have for you today is a real treat, but she's not in the world of promotional products. She does use promotional products for her business and has ties to promo, uh, but I wanted to bring her on because she has some really great perspectives and amazing things to say. Our guest today is Gina Shrek, and Gina Gina Shrek is the CEO of the Village Coworking Space in Denver, Colorado. She also owns the social media marketing company called Social Connects, and she's the author of one of my very favorite books, Social Media Doesn't Work Unless You Do. Now, the fun thing about this podcast is that it was recorded on January 31st of 2019, and it was never published. The reason it was never published is because I had this beautiful, big, grandiose idea to start a podcast, and I didn't know what I would say, who I would pitch it to, why anybody would even want to listen, but I just knew that I wanted to do it, so I called up Gina. I wanted her as my first guest, and we recorded this thing. Now, fast forward, the Badass Women of Promo podcast didn't come to fruition until March of 2019, and then, of course, all of the guests have been focused on promotional products and within the industry, and I didn't know how to put this into the mix. So one, Gina, I'm super sorry that it has taken this long to get out here, um, but two, I decided there are no rules, right? We make up our own rules, and men and women and people of promotional need to learn about Gina and meet her and hear her great stories and all of the wonderful anecdotes that she has and be motivated and inspired by her. So I'm going to let you get into this. We started recording like halfway through our conversation. So what you're going to jump into is Gina and I just talking about vision, goal setting, and so much more. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and get off of this introduction and let's get this party started. Again, thanks so much for being here. Enjoy. We just turned it on because we just have to, and we'll do the introduction afterwards. I'll piece it all together. That's right. Uh, so funny. I know we talked about our stories. And yeah. I think one of the big things that I see is this fear, right? Like for right now in my life, the money that I make, the house that I live in, the car that I drive, the fact that I have a pontoon, like it's not a huge, right. fantastic boat, but this is bigger than I ever saw my life. Exactly. Being. And so for me, I'm like, whoa, this is a lot. Like, and it's not even that, it's really not that much, like compared yeah. to, you know, but compared to 18 years old, like it's, yep. it's a big thing. And, and so I'm like, how do, I can't wrap my head around the vision that it takes to see past where I am to where I could be. And you know what I love though, I, and what I do, and I love, we do a lot of climbing here in Colorado and there's these 14,000 foot peaks here in, in Colorado. And it's a major thing to climb to the peak of a 14,000 foot mountain. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, you know, usually it's an all day or at least five hours of this hiking going uphill. But I said, what it has taught me is when you first start out, you're super excited. And no matter who you go with, everyone's at the same pace and you're excited. Then you get about halfway and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. And then you get about three quarters of the way and you go, I don't think I can go any further. Like I'm so exhausted. My legs can't go. And it gets steeper towards the top. And typically, and I know this every single time now, every single time, as soon as you get close to the top, you stop and you say, I don't think I can go any further. But if you just stop, even for 10 minutes and you stop, you have a snack, you drink more water, have another snack, um, 
you can then keep going. And when you get to the top, you're going, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And the view is spectacular and the whole experience is spectacular. And what it has taught me about life is same thing. I start, I grew up single mom. We were on, my mom was a single mom. I was a single mom when I first had my two boys, but my mom was on welfare. I grew up really poor in San Jose, California. And I, I did things just because I, I didn't want to live like that. And I, then I got married and my husband left us and I had two little boys and here I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm back to where I was. And it's kind of like the mountain climbing. I went up and I got that, that far and went, okay, this is just too hard. I'm gonna, I should turn around. But then if you just pause and you say, wait a minute, what is my goal? I don't want to live like this. I'm going to keep going. And you stop and rest when you get tired instead of quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up at the you end up at this these summits, and then the beautiful thing is, like here in Colorado, there's 55 summits. So <laughs> there's always another one to climb. <laughs> there's always another. I heard Shane Fonda say that the other day. She goes, "Yes, I'm over the hill." But the great thing is, I realized when I got over the hill, there's a lot of other hills. <laughs> so I said, funny. "That's so true." It's like it's we so reach that goal, no matter how big it is, and usually we start smaller because we don't believe that we can. The great thing is now we can stand at the top where we are with your pontoon boat and your house and you can look back and go, you know what? Now I have evidence that I have what it takes to get to this summit. And there's another summit that I'm going to now climb. And when I get there, I'll have more evidence. And I think we set wimpy goals because we don't look at the evidence. We don't stop and say, Look at what I've done in my life. Look how smart I am to do what I've done. Look how, how strong I was to get through what I went through. Um, we don't stop and celebrate and collect the evidence so that we can say, I did this. Why wouldn't I set a bigger goal? Why wouldn't I push myself? And you know, every year I always say, we set these wimpy goals because at the end of the year, maybe we're a little bit further. Maybe we saved a little bit more. Maybe we bought the car that we wanted to buy. Maybe we took a trip that we wanted to take. But are we a different person at the end of the year? I look at goals and say, what can I do that will put me somewhere that I'm a different person at the end of the year? I've learned something so amazing whether it's about myself or whether, I mean, when I turned 50, I said, I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro and we went and did the, the whole trip to Africa and climbed Kilimanjaro and summited. And, and I did that because I wanted more evidence of, I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. And I think in our life, we have to set bigger goals because like you and I were saying, it takes the same amount of energy to reach a little goal as it does a big goal. It's just, you set the goal, you do action every day, and suddenly you're there. Why not do something every day to get somewhere bigger than, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, so I, I just I, think it's, it's great. That that's I love that you're saying that because the idea of feeling versus knowing, somebody told me one time, it's like, when you don't feel how you want to feel, you have to know what you know. In fact, I just wrote a blog yeah. post yesterday that was talking about that. Like it, it, you, even if you don't have the emotion of feeling successful or I am a, I'm capable, I am a finisher. Even if you don't feel yeah. like that, you have to look at the empirical data, right? You have to look at what you've done and you yeah. have to know what you know. And then I like the other thing that you said too about just stopping and then starting again. It's amazing. Exactly. I know that with David Goggins, we were just talking about that whole in his seal training or this marathon living with a seal yeah yeah Yeah. well he ran an ultra marathon and he was talking at expo about 
how, you know, he, he got to the point where he's like, I can't go any further, but then he stopped, he ate some yeah. food, he rehydrated and he's like, all right, I can do another couple miles. And then he like stopped again, ate a little bit more, can do another couple miles. His body was, you know, regenerating and renewing his energy. And by the end of the day, he had made it. And I was like a 24 hour race. I never want to be in that position where that's what I'm trying to finish. I'll just put that out there right now. I don't want to do that. But, <laughs> but my proverbial race as it comes to finances and success and yeah. even familial stuff and all of that, I think that's a big deal. And then I like the concept too. I heard this from a friend. She posted it on her Facebook or Instagram something. And it was like, if you just get 1% better every day in 365 days, you're 365% better. Exactly. I'm like, what exactly. a cool quote, you know? So it's like, okay, we don't have to get better all at once. You don't have to go from yeah. zero to 50 today. It can be this little thing that builds and builds over time. And like you said, when you look back, it becomes something that you're proud of, that you're, yeah. you know, that's worthy of your adoration and is that platform and jumping off point for knowing what you know. And so, it's interesting because, you know, I started my first business 25 years ago. My daughters now, my two youngest, so I have four kids and my two youngest are 23 and 27 and they work for me, you know, in our digital agency. So, so (laughs) I have our digital agency at Social Connects and we have 18 people and we have bloggers and social media managers and things. and, And my two daughters work, work with me there. And then we decided that I was going to go for this big dream that I've been thinking about for six years and opening a co-working space. So it's a flexible workspace leasing and you build this really cool interior, lots of amenities and you have, you have private offices and then you have flexible workspace. And I've had this dream for six years of doing this. And finally, I was just like, why am I waiting? Like, let's get this done. And people think, okay, you're insane. You already have this other business you're running and now you're going to do this. But what's been cool is bringing my daughters along on on this journey with me and showing them what it takes of saying, okay, the whole concept of 1% every day, it's, we have a list of things every single day and every week we start with, okay, what has to get done this week that moves us towards, usually we write a goal and we put it somewhere and whether it's written down, some people don't even do that, but you know, we have this goal and then we, we, we kind of work towards it during the year. But if every day you're saying, what has to get done today? I call it my massive action list. We have a list of massive action that has to happen in order for us to be where we need to be at the end of the month. And these things have to get done. So every week we say, okay, which of the massive action items are we each doing this week? to get that done, whether it's get down and register this new business with the state, whether it's contact the designer and get the plans that we need to get the architect to, you know, so it's every week we have these 1% goals and by themselves, they're little things, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I've got to meet with this guy who runs a daycare to see if we can partner. And that's one little meeting I have to set up. But those little 1% at the end of the week, at the end of the month are huge things that that we accomplish. And, you know, you and I've talked about, and you were gracious enough to, to write a testimonial for my book that I just finished and got it out and it's published. And the book project is interesting because a lot of our, our digital marketing clients talk about writing books and they say, yeah, this year I'm going to get my book done. Yeah. This year I'm going to get it done for sure. I know I've been saying that. Okay. This year on my list for like five years, I'm going to write a book, (laughs) right? About what charity? I don't know. I haven't picked a topic yet. Uh, Well, tomorrow. (laughs) that's exactly, there's the whole concept is going, okay, if you say you're going to write a book, then you sit down and say, what will the book be about? What are my outlines? Okay. Now I have my outlines. What am I going to do each day? 
that will move me. And, and what happened to me this year was I wanted to write this book. Social media doesn't work unless you do. And I had a client I'm speaking at a conference to next week in February. And I had this client say that they want to buy a copy of your book for all of the conference attendees. And I was like, Oh, so, so when are we, when is the conference? And they said, it's February. I think the conference is February 13th. And I said, Oh wow. And this was December 1st. And so suddenly my year goal got condensed to say, could I possibly get this to a, even a self-published, get it printed, get the, get this kind of, I call it a galley copy, kind of the first round copy to this client in a month and a half. And so I broke it down saying, okay, a, a 200 page book is 50,000 words, 50,000 words divided by 30 days in December. I could write 2000 words a day and I would get it done. And so I set this goal every day. I had to sit and write 2000 words. <laughs> so that was my daily massive mm -hmm. action. And so I just got up a little earlier, had that quiet time where I could write, got it done got it, the cover designed, got the book done, got it edited to the printer and the books are in my hand and I'll be bringing them to the conference. And the thing, and, and I've done an audible book as well. So then I decided, you know, I've never done an audible book. I want to, I want to try that. And so I went on audible and found out what the, you know, requirements are to, to submit your book and found them. And my, fortunately, my oldest son is a sound engineer in Silicon Valley. And I contacted him. I was like, okay, if I record them, what do I need to know? Here's the requirements. You do the editing. I got all the recording done in, it probably took me 10 days of sitting. It, that was, that was harder than writing a book is reading right. a book uh -huh. um, out loud, <laughs> but got it done. And I was like, okay, that was really cool to set that kind of goal to say, I've never done this. I have no idea what's involved. Let me research it. Okay. I'm going to just sit down and do it. I think too many people think, oh no, I have to do things so perfect the first yeah. time. And so I wait until I think I can be perfect. Well, there's no way to even be perfect no matter how much research you do until right. you do it. You know, you can't get great until you get started right. and you're going to have to start and then have your first round and have my second round. And then each one gets better, just like podcasting, just like videos. You know, you have to take action in order to get better at something. And right. I think we, we hurt ourselves in business and in life because we wait for the stars to align instead of going, I'm going to work hard and I'll align the stars. Right. And I'll well, make it happen. It's huge. Well, and also noted like, oh man, 2000 words a day. I'm like, that sounds like a ton. And then I think about my Facebook statuses are sometimes exactly. <laughs> that many words just on their own. I know people are like, Charity, really? We're like 300 words. Good. I need more space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, ah, uh. so no, I completely agree with you. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's that. so doable when we break it down into the daily, it, it, you have to break it down to the ridiculous, you know, to go, okay, that's ridiculously easy you know, we're holding a big event next week uh, for women in Denver at a wine bar because we want to start building our local network to start networking for the co-working space. And so we said, okay, we need to hold an event every month and we're targeting female entrepreneurs at this co-working space. And so we said, okay, we need a live event. And it's one thing to say it, but then to go, so what does that mean we have to do every week? Mm -hmm, right. You know, then all of a sudden you're, but if you just say, oh, you have to put an event together in two weeks or three weeks, you're going, okay, I don't have time. 
Yeah. But you do have time. If you, you break it down to the ridiculous, going, okay, that means I need to call this place today and schedule a tour. Yeah. And there's, well, that there's two it, things yeah. that this makes me think of. It's really funny because I am notorious. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can totally do that. I can totally do it. If yeah. I don't write it down though, I'll exactly. definitely say I can totally make it happen. But if I don't write it down, that's one thing. And writing it yeah. down is half the battle, but then also putting it, I have a digital calendar and a written calendar. And so my life requires both. And the written calendar is just so I can have like a macro level view of everything that's going on over the course of a month. Because man, if I didn't have that, you know, I'd, I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'm great. I'm, I'm free for the fourth. I'm like, no, I have nine things scheduled on the fourth charity. That's where I start getting into trouble. But then the other part of that is having those daily reminders. Like, yeah, I can run, you know, fifth or even walk because I don't really run. It's called walking. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, can, I can get outside and move. How about that for 15 minutes a day? But you know, it's like, oh, there's a phone call. Oh, I'm doing a podcast. Oh, an email came in. And before you know it, it's four in the afternoon and you're in, I'm in Arizona. So it's like, it's too hot most days to do that. And then my window of opportunity for that day's gone. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it tomorrow. But if I don't get that calendar reminder, I'm never going to do it tomorrow. So I think, I mean, exactly. personally, breaking it down is one thing. Scheduling it out is another thing. I definitely think those are definitely two big things. And then the other thing that, I, that makes me, when you're like, oh, we have to plan an event. We only have a couple weeks. I just recently watched the Fire Festival documentary. Yeah. And it's really interesting because part of me is like, man, how could this guy go through all that and scam all these people out of their money and Great. let people show up and being so prideful that he wouldn't just cancel the event. And then there's part of me that can kind of empathize with the guy. Like, no, no, no. Like we can figure it out. There's gotta be a way. Like I, I kind of am almost enamored with the fact that he, you know, take the scamming out of it, but the right. idea that he was so confident that he could, there was no doubt in his mind that he was going to be able to put this massive festival together with this beautiful marketing. And I'm like, okay, you know, all of us could stand to learn a little bit of something from him that, you know, be confident that you can, but where he failed obviously was in managing reasonable expectations. And right. I said this yesterday, I'm like, I have problems with managing what can be done in totality eventually overall and what can right. be done right now. And yeah. so managing those, you know, what can be done right now and what is it going to take realistically? Um, I'd be a terrible home builder. <laughs> That's what I've learned from all of this. I can't do that, but other small tasks. Yeah. Which um, it, that is interesting is managing those expectations and looking at them at, at a whole project and then breaking them down and not being afraid to bring people on that you need to help, which I, that's something I learned early in my business is you have to hire people before you can afford to hire people in order to get your business to where it needs to go. And, you know, that's a hard thing when you're a new business is to say, I mean, I look back, we were laughing the other day of when we started our business, there was no digital age, you know, marketing was, we were down at Kinko's, which Kinko's is not even a thing anymore. You know, now it's the FedEx stores. We were down there making copies of brochures that I had designed and printed on my computer, probably using PowerPoint, and mm -hmm. it would print out, and then I would sit at, at Kinko's literally and fold, tri-fold brochures to mail out to clients to say, this is what we do, and you know, just the things that you had to get done, I realized, okay, I need to hire someone to help me do the things that I was not good at, or I was spending so much time doing that I couldn't really do the, the activities such as making back then, making cold calls, following up, scheduling lunches. And, and so I think, you know, we have to bring people on and that's a hard thing to let go of some of the activities in our business 
that need to get done because, you know, like we always say, we know we can do it better and faster, but it'll end up, it'll end up biting us in the butt because we will be so overwhelmed with things. Like you said, all of a sudden I realized, oh, I told this person they could move into the house that I'm building next week. <laughs> and, and here right. I am with my hammer and tool belt trying to build it by myself. Right. Um, and, right. and I think as a business owner, it's really hard for us to, to look at our business and say, which pieces can we outsource? And I think sometimes we do the old thing of, well, outsource the things that, um, you know, I make, I'm, I'm worth more per hour. So I'm going to outsource this task, but then we don't do we don't take that amount of time and apply it to something that builds our business. We right. do more busy work instead of saying, okay, this hour I used to spend every week doing this, I need to now schedule an hour in my planner to make cold calls or right. to contact people and follow up. It has to be something that's business building if you're now paying somebody to out and you're outsourcing. Right. So that's something I've learned along the way of, you know, what are business building activities and that only I can do, that's the, I need to schedule that time where I sit down and say for the next two hours, I have my sales and marketing hat on and I only focus on that. So yeah, I think it's just hard as an entrepreneur, you have so many hats you wear that, um, you know, you're trying to figure out what, how to get everything done. But, but when people tell me I don't have time, I, I just cringe because I was like, don't even tell me you don't have time <laughs> because I can get more done in a day than most people because I don't watch two hours of television or three hours of television at night. I don't sit and, and, you know, chat with my cousin on Facebook during the day. I always say there's pay time and there's non pay time and right. pay time is when your clients are awake, you better be contacting and building and putting out strategic content or creating content on social media that will drive those those potential customers to you. Then at night, respond to your cousin's wedding pictures, you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, well, and if you can find, I mean, in my life, I guess, obviously my thing is I don't mind working 16 hours a day or whatever I do right. because I love it all so much. So it. it all blends together. So I am, you know, commenting on pictures, but I'm also replying to clients at midnight. So it's exactly. kind of in my life, it works for me, but I think that's exactly what we're saying. Um, for, for certain people, you know, instead of saying, I don't have the time. Yeah. And a lot of this is super cliche and like basic, Hey, you've heard right. this before. Hey, don't say I don't have the time, but I take it a step further. And I'm like, it's not even a matter of can or can't. It's a, will, a matter of will or won't. Will you do this? Exactly. Or won't you, if you really right. want it, you will. Yeah. But I think figuring out what we're willing to do and not willing to do really helps us figure out what our true goals are. What do we actually want and what are we willing right. to give up to get it? If, if you really want something, and you're not willing to do the work, what you're basically saying is, but I'd rather watch television or I'd rather be on faith. And that's okay. That's I think that's right. the other part is, is not everybody is going to be a Charity Gibson or a Gina Shrek or an Elon Musk or whatever. That's totally okay. But we have to be comfortable knowing well, our place in the- And then don't whine about it and say, right. oh, I wish I had your life. You don't. Because if you <laughs> wanted our life, you could have it. But you everybody can work. So you're yeah. right. You have to know what am I willing to sacrifice to get there? Because any of us can get, just like you were saying earlier, you know, you see these people that are doing these amazing things and you go, you know what? Why, why can't we like that? Of course we can. Are we willing to do what they did to get where they are? Right. And once we weigh the cost, 
then absolutely, you know, can you achieve that? Can you build a business? That's it. And what we were talking about yesterday, it was interesting with this realtor, we were out looking at the space that we're getting. And he said that there was a, the, the, one of the spaces we looked at, he said, a couple years ago, because the space had been empty for two, two years. And he said the company that was in there did grow lights for marijuana plants. They were a warehouse of grow lights. And he said it was before it was legal. So they, they had to, they closed their doors and they ended up going out of business. And he said, well, sadly, like six months later, the, the whole thing in Colorado passed that it's legal. And I said, that's so much like so many businesses where we give up before we're able to cross that line of success and we give mm-hmm. up too soon. And we were laughing about that going, if only they would have known, you know, that laws would have changed or whatever. But, and I told my daughters this, I said, you know, so many businesses, even in what we do in the digital marketing space, there's so many people who started when we did, you know, 24 years ago, we weren't doing this digitally. We were going out face to face and going around the country, working with marketing right. and sales teams and doing training and, and everything else. And I said, And so a lot of people, the digital space came in and they were just like, you know, that's kind of, that's taking over and I, it's too hard or I'm too old to learn that. And so they give up and they close their doors. People who are in the digital marketing space, everybody turns out was a digital marketing expert and um, they all, they all said they were digital marketing experts. And then after, you know, a year of trying to make money and make a living doing it, they closed the door instead of saying, what do I have to do? because I may have to do some things that I don't like to get to where I want this business to be. But you know, we, sometimes we just give up. It's like the mountain analogy. We give up too soon and we turn around instead of just pausing and say, what do I need right now? What nourishment do I need? Maybe it's education. Maybe I need to go back to school and take a class in something, or maybe I need to hire somebody, but what nourishment do I need so that I can press on and make it? Yeah, it's a, a, to me, the whole mountain climbing thing is just such a great analogy for reaching our goals because we all want to quit at a certain point. And when you know that ahead of time, when you've climbed enough of them and you start identifying, I always tell people the first 45 minutes, I'm always out of breath. I can't get my breathing to regulate. So the first 45 minutes, I can see where some people would say, this is going to be too hard. And just go and let's just call it a nice hike and turn around and go back and two hours, you know, we're done. And, and knowing though, oh yeah, after 45 minutes, your breath will regulate. So just keep going. And then when you get to the halfway point, you're going to be tired. And then when you get three quarters, you're going to want to quit. When you know that, then you're going to approach the next goal differently because you're just going to know it and you're going to prepare for it. Bring more snacks. If you learn one thing from this whole session, it's bring more snacks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's That's it. I can bring more Fine. snacks. That's funny. That's a great, there's our, there's our title for the whole thing. Bring more snacks. When you're climbing a mountain, remember to pack or, more snacks. Or working towards a goal. Yeah. Bring more snacks. That, that's, that's fun. That's fun. That's going to, I'm going to like make a, a written version of this and be like, here are your snacks. I guess that would be, um, yeah. what do snacks yeah. look like when you're, uh, you know, <laughs> bringing them out of metaphorical speak and into the actual real life. That's oh. so true. That's this is so, so fun. We totally did this whole thing backwards, which I love. That we started in the middle and we're going to end at the beginning. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? What's ironic? We're recording this on National Backwards Day. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. So that's why. That's why we started it backwards. I we started from it. the end. 
I, you know what? I, I totally love it. And I, I know we uh, probably just take a couple more minutes and kind of wrap this up. I guess um, I will go backwards, actually, just because we had such a great talk. And thank you for that wisdom on business building. That actually was completely different than what I had expected to talk about. But since we're going backwards, I love it. I did have a little thing that I wrote up. So I want to read that. Let's just, because we're going backwards, we're going to start at the end of this thing. The very beginning should have said, hello, everyone. This is Charity Gibson, aka Charity Poppins, for those that know me from the promotional product industry and I'm coming your way today with my very first episode of a brand new podcast so new in fact that it doesn't even have a name so in true charity fashion I figured we'd have some fun today without delay I'd like to introduce you to my first guest but since we went backwards you've been listening to the wonderful fantastic Miss Gina Shrek and a little bit about her I met Gina in 2011 I think it was Gina I think so I think so man at the time goes by so quickly I know after meeting Gina, um, this is the story that I like to tell about how we got to know each other. She invited me to go hiking with her and her husband in the Red Rocks of Colorado. And she has invited me to weddings, which I got to go along with. She took me with her. She was house hunting for her home in Arizona. And I was fortunate enough to watch the sunset from the backyard of her new house. But the fun thing about all of this over the last seven and a half years now is that we didn't meet in person until just about two months ago. So all of this, um, I attribute to the beautiful, beautiful thing that is social media. So Gina, now that you've had this wonderful conversation with me, tell me a little bit about you and what you actually do. So we know you're a great businesswoman. We know that you've written a book and you have now you're starting a co-working space, but how'd you get started in social media? And also at the end of that, I'd like three little actionable things that people can do to be better about social media, whether they're making money or making friends. I know that there's, it's, there's two different ways to use social media, but if you, if you miss out on the money, at least you make a good friend. So tell me a little bit about your philosophy because I know it's very similar to mine. So yeah. What what I love about what you said is what, if you want to do social media and use social media, right then you're using it to connect with people and build relationships, just like you would use any other sales tool. I think we mistaken the, the tool and we say social media is a way to just yell, buy my stuff, I'm awesome, look at me. And, so, and that never attracts people. And I think what you and I did and what my goal on social media is, is connect with awesome people that you wouldn't have the opportunity to connect with otherwise because maybe they live in different cities, different states, different countries. And the way I even got into social media, which is so interesting, my journey, because I had, I've, I've, again, had this business for 24 years and I was out speaking. I had a contract at that time with IBM and for seven years, we would go around the country to 22 of their locations. And every month we did these programs with them for seven years. It was part of their Leadership Excellence University. And we were working with their sales and marketing um, managers and teams. And one day they said, we have a global team that meets in this virtual world. Could you consider doing this training in a virtual space? And this was, oh gosh, 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And the space 
uh, some people may um, recognize it, it's called Second Life. And IBM had built this big campus in a virtual world. And if you don't, if you've never been in a virtual world, but maybe you have kids who play games like World of Warcraft and any of the video games now are immersive environments where you log in and you become a character or an avatar in the space. Well, IBM and turns out Sun Microsystems and Kodak and um, actually it was Xerox and who else did we work with? Western Union. We did work with all these companies eventually in this crazy 3D immersive space and I would log in as an avatar and I'll tell you what's awesome. You always look great as an avatar. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I miss those days. You would log in and you could even buy clothes. It was the weirdest thing. You can buy clothes for your avatar. And so you could dress. And I mean, it was amazing. All the IBM people, most of them were in little suits. And I thought it was hysterical that they even had little chairs. Your avatar would sit in. I'm like, are your avatar legs tired? Like, why are we sitting <laughs> in little chairs? But we did this program in Second Life. And when Suddenly, I heard that there was this tool called Twitter that was just coming on on the scene, and I started connecting with people, searching for people online who were also working in virtual world spaces, these 3D immersive spaces, because I wanted to connect with them and find out how are you using it. And we all of a sudden, I connected with people literally around the world. There were people in Singapore and China that were doing amazing things in these spaces, and we connected on Twitter. And so I was asked to speak a lot at conferences, number one, because I was a woman and most tech conferences had men on the speaking docket, so they needed a token woman, I think. But they, um, I was asked to speak at a lot of conferences to talk about how we were using these new tech tools in our business. Mm -hmm. And the more I discovered social media was this great platform to connect with other people and learn from each other. So that's the angle I started in. So to me, the people who got into social media in the last few years, they see it as a platform that you have to promote your business. Right. And we're doing it backwards. And so to me, social media really needs to be about connecting and, and learning and and, you know, building relationships. And like you said, you were able to see and experience things with me because I would share them on social media because it's about building relationships. Right. Now that doesn't mean I share every bit of my life on social media. I do have four kids and they would, you know, kill me if I shared everything. But, you know, to me, that's how you use social, right? And I tell people, I say, if, the, if you do nothing else, get on a social media channel. I love Twitter the best still. Um, I, I do so love funny. Instagram. I love Twitter because you can follow people without ever tweeting. Like my husband's been on Twitter for 10 years. He never tweets ever. Mm -hmm. um, but you can get on and follow people that you can learn from. And so yeah. using it like an RSS feed. And I tell people sign up for Twitter and find 20 smart people and follow them. Follow what they, what they post and learn from them. Click over on the link and read their blogs that they put out or look at the photos and videos they're putting out. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel the need to jump in and start sharing what you're learning and what you're doing. And that, to me, is a great entry point to any new social platform is get on, create an account, and listen and watch and learn. And then you're going to feel compelled to contribute. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's really, I mean, it's just interesting because then 11 years ago I was speaking at a conference and there were a bunch of hotel general managers and they came up and said, 
could you do this for us? I mean, we get that we should be using social media for our business, but none of our team knows how to do it. Can you do it for us? And I always say yes, and then figure out how. And I said, absolutely, we can do that. And then I walked out going, okay, how am I going to manage these hotel properties, mm -hmm. social media accounts? I'm going to need to hire a team of community managers. So 11 years ago, we brought on four community managers and we started managing the social media for other companies. Then we started blogging for companies and doing their email marketing. And it has evolved into Social Connects. We rebranded it and changed the name to Social Connects because that's what we do is we help businesses connect to their world that they're wanting to connect with and help build their presence online and have conversations online. And, and that's where businesses, I feel like, just do it wrong. They get on for the wrong with the wrong intent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so it's just been a fun, a fun journey of evolving and everyone in business, when you're in business for any length of time, your business evolves based on the new tools that are available and based on what your customers want. You start looking at, and if you haven't evolved, your customers are probably doing business somewhere else. You right. know, our consumers are tech savvy and we have to be out front, not behind playing catch up. Right. And so I feel like I hear so many people say, Oh, you don't understand. My business isn't a tech company. And I said, your customers are tech customers. Correct. Yep. In the age of Amazon. Now I will say the thing that I do appreciate is for the people that never get hip to the jive with social media, there is a demographic of people that can do business like them. So there is a niche for you. If you are the, you know, anti-techie, not savvy kind of person, there are other people like you out there, but the funny thing is, how are you going to find them if you're not connected socially? I think exactly. that is just kind of this big conundrum. Um, it is. But I do like, there's two things that you said that I really, really like. And well, I like everything that you say, but two things that really <laughs> stuck out to me. You said, just get an account and listen, which I think the world doesn't do enough listening these days anyway. And I'm probably one of those people because I get so excited. But the thing that you said is you'll feel compelled to contribute. And the thing that I love about that is that's how... Um, when you're following the right people, you can't just go follow a bunch of accounts because then you'll get tired of seeing your feed every day. So who you follow right. is very important to how much you're going to love or hate social media. If you follow the wrong people, you will hate your life and you will hate going on social media and you won't want to be there. It's just like in real life. You're not going to go to a party with people you don't really care for. Right. So for me, it's like, you know what? Create your party and fill it fill this room with people whose conversations are worth listening to that you can't wait to see what they're going to post next. We have somebody in our industry, Bobby Lehu, and he is this incredibly articulate uh, blogger and just a very intelligent human being who always has these magnificent contributions and he doesn't always blog. Um, he's also a fantastic photographer. So he's, he's not always producing content, but he's the type of person that when he does, you stop what you're doing and you read Bobby's blog or you look at right. what he's posted because there's just so much time and energy and thoughtful carefulness that goes into what he posts. Um, meanwhile, some other people are just, you know, like you said, it's a tweet every three hours of the same damn thing because they exactly. want to push and push and push and push. It's like, that's not fun for me. I don't want to go to your feed and have to scroll through five hours to find one legitimate piece of content from you. So I love, I love that you said that you are, when you're listening to these people, you feel compelled to contribute where you actually want to be part of the conversation. And then the second thing that I wrote down is that you went out onto Twitter and started asking questions of people. And this has been fascinating to me since the 
beginning of social media and just in my career, you, you said earlier in our conversation, you know, talking about not being afraid to want to hire people and also to talk to other people and let them know your vulnerabilities, like let them see where you are lacking so that they can actually help you solve that problem. If nobody ever knows that you have a problem to solve, it's never going to be solved because you're not going to let anybody help you. And if you don't have the answers, then it's just going to sit out there and it's going to cripple your business and cripple your relationships over and over and over again. So having the vulnerability and, and, and that's a confidence thing, having a confidence to just ask and not right. be afraid. So I love that you said, um, you didn't actually say, but I wrote down the power of the ask in these forums on social media. I'm fascinated by the number of high level executives and power players in the world that you can have conversations with back and forth. And especially if you're an early adopter, I think one of my favorite things when Google Plus came around, everybody's like, oh, it's stupid. I don't want to go on there, whatever. But the fun yeah. thing about that is Google Plus had some really, I mean, obviously they had influencers playing on there early, right? So right at the beginning of time, they had Chris Brogan, uh, Guy Kawasaki, um, you know, just a number of other people that were using the platform before anybody else so I was having one-on-one -on -one conversations with Guy Kawasaki. Like, how does that happen? I'm just yeah. a charity from Tucson. But because <laughs> social media connects us in a way that is unlike any other medium that we have available. You know, it's like if you see somebody in a restaurant that's famous, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't walk up to them. Okay, I'm going to take a picture with my camera phone turning sideways. So it looks like I'm taking a selfie, but I'm really taking a picture of them. When social media is like, hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? I saw that cool t-shirt you're wearing. Where'd you get it? And time, nine times out of 10, they're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I got that at this store or whatever. Right. Checked out your profile. That was awesome too. And it's the same, again, this is like the third time I've said it this conversation, but Jesse Itzler and David Doggins. Yeah. Like, I love that one of the things that he talked about in his book was he just went and asked. Like, he just was yeah. like, no holds barred. Like, he just went to people and like said things. And he, you know, what's the, you know, I'm just going to go, you know, talk to this Navy SEAL and invite him to live yeah. with me for 30. You know, it's like, there's so much power in the ask. In the and, ask. And it's and just quit, wish, just quit wishing and planning. And start asking. And, and start the, doing. The yeah. worst that somebody can say is no, or they can ignore you, but at least it's a really easy letdown on social media. You're like, yeah, I'm just a little ant in their giant pond. But then they, most people, um, not most, I guess, many are totally willing to share their wisdom. And the, some of the most successful people that I know didn't get there by being stingy with their wisdom. They yeah. got to where they are because they've created this loyal following of people, not even following, just loyal community of people that want to do better for themselves. And between all of them, that's where, when there's knowledge sharing, I'm going to learn from them. They're going to learn from me. You know, we're all at different levels, but you know, somebody that's been where I want to go can help me get there a lot faster. Right. Um, and I have other skills too, where there's deficits that other people don't have their skills that I can help. And just because somebody is mega famous or super rich or considered a fantastic leader or is some big, you know, brand name and kudos for them for being awesome and learning how to build a personal brand the way that they did. That to me is where the biggest power of social media is. It's your, your brand and your business are going to become known naturally because people are going to fall in love with the person that you are, or they're not, or they're going to hate the person that you are. They're not going to want to do business with you. And that's what we have to get okay with being okay with that. The people that are like me are going to be like me. And so that's where like, you know, even just you and I, it's like, wow, we're the same. I want to do business with you. I don't even know what you do, but I want to find a way to use your services because yeah. you're just well, so much that, fun to work with. 
it's that no like and trust factor in yeah. in the old days i say of sales you know back when i was is um in my in my previous world and life i had to do sales where you made cold calls you dropped off we used to drop off all these little promotional products to Ooh, try to get their attention. yeah we had so much fun with those but the reason we did that because that was basically our social media post you yeah. know it was like drop off something with a business card, trying to leave. Then we'd make a phone call, try to get an appointment. We had to get them to know who we were. Then we had to hopefully get an appointment so that we can see if we could get them to like us. And then we had to follow up and do what we said so that they would trust us. Well, social media has allowed us to shorten our sales cycle because oh, yeah. we can still do those other things, but on social media, we can allow people a peek in, which is why I love video on social is it allows people to get to know you, to like you, and then to trust because they see that you keep providing helpful content or you follow up and don't just um, promote yourself. You also, it, you engage with them in conversations. So the know, like, and trust factor to me is what social media is all about, is it allows you to do that with very little time and effort. Oh, it's almost instant, right? The minute that you right. accept somebody's, accept somebody, or not even accept, the minute that you get somebody's friend request and just skim over their page, whether you have access to all their exactly. content or not, you might see yeah. one thing you're like, oh, this is going to be cool. And then you hit accept or follow, whatever it is. And you can instantly, I mean, it takes it from like 17 unanswered phone calls, 36 voicemails, <laughs> exactly. three unanswered emails, a, you know, a promotional product that you're sliding in the door, helping, you know, one shoe delivered and trying to get a foot in the door. Like, you know, all of that. Now it's like a six month sales cycle has now just been so to like, Hey, dang, that picture is really cool. Or, you and know, that's interesting because I used to, in my sales days, I would, when I would get my first appointment, first thing you do as a salesperson is you walk into the other person's office and you quickly scan. You are looking for something that you have in common. Maybe it's a photo right. of their kids. Maybe it's a ski trip picture that they have. I'm talking something point. that you can start a conversation <laughs> on, but on social right. media. You can see all those things before you ever pick up the phone to call them. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's just so different. The world is so different and we don't have to use social media as our number one sales and marketing tool, but we can still use it to learn about people, to learn from each other and to share our expertise. I, I tell everybody, everyone should blog because I feel like we are knowledge hoarders. We learn a lot, but we never share what we're learning and we never share our experience. Then we retire, leave, and all that knowledge is gone. And, um, you know, I feel like it's important for us to share uh, along the road. And so, yeah, it's interesting. There's, to me, there's so many pieces of social that can be incorporated in different ways, whether it's internal learning, whether that's sales, marketing, um, but it, it's, a, it's a tool that costs very little for us to have big impact. And yeah. so that, you know, I, I just found that I became passionate about helping people connect and learn and share and build communities. And, you know, that community is whether those are friends, peers, people you learn from mentors or customers, you're, you're building relationships. And that's the bottom line is, um, and that's why I said social media doesn't work unless you do, because it does take time. And that's the thing. It's not rocket science but it is time consuming because you have to carve out time. And when people tell me I don't have time to use social media, I said, what are you doing in your business? That's no longer effective. Replace right. just even, you know, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, replace 30 minutes of time that you used to spend doing those other activities 
with building relationships online mm-hmm. and you're going to see dramatic differences. Huge. Well, and one of the things that we struggle with, um, obviously I talk about promotion products a lot because that's just the game that I'm in. You know, we create branded merch for people. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we struggle with right now is paper catalogs. And this is, I don't know if any other industries really have it as terrible as we have it, but we figure we have oh, like, I don't know, a couple thousand companies and each company creates a catalog. And now we're plagued with a 20,000 person or 20,000 office, sorry, deep mailing distribution. Um, and so it's like each year we come up with this, we get headaches, right? The distributors that we're sending our catalogs to are like, this is enough. We don't want right. catalogs. I'm tired of it. They go straight in the recycling bin. And then we're like, okay, but how are you going to see our products? How are we going to share this stuff with you? And there's other distributors like we love catalogs. They're amazing. And I finally came to the conclusion this year, and I've known it for a long time. I just hadn't articulated it correctly, that we don't have a catalog problem. We have a distribution problem and that people really do want our catalogs. If like when I was on in their shoes as a distributor, I wanted catalogs, but I only wanted catalogs from the 10 companies I loved doing business. Exactly. And so like if the fact, I mean, the fact that Amazon printed a catalog this year to me for their for toys, Christmas, is yeah, right? so fun. It yeah. was so fun and it's smart and it had the, you know, they're and like, we're going through this tariff situation right now. So we don't have pricing in our catalogs and it's frustrating people. So we got halfway there by taking the pricing out. So we didn't have incorrect pricing, but I love what Toys R Us or not Toys R Us, sorry, Amazon taking the place of Toys R Us catalog, um, stepped it up a little bit by putting the QR codes in. So you could immediately scan the QR code exactly. taken to Amazon to then purchase the, the good. And so I look at, um, and that's all, you know, one, one piece of the catalog equation for promotional products. However, the big thing that suppliers are looking at, they're like, we're just going to do away with catalogs. It's going to save X number of dollars, which is like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we'll be able to put that towards an extra salesperson on the road or extra social media or what have you. But that's, or they're not, or they're just going to quote unquote, save that money. And you talked earlier about when you are farming out your time to an employee or a virtual assistant or whatever, and you're reclaiming that hour back, right? you need to be cognizant and intentional about how you're reinvesting that. And I think about that with the catalog savings. It's like, if you have this catalog that you're no longer printing and you talked about promotional products, right? They're fun. Something tangible that gets onto a person's desk where they, they look at it for two seconds and put it in recycling bin, that's still an impression. And they right. still saw your name. And whether or not you did a good enough job on capitalizing them on that opportunity and getting them with a strong call to action to do something with it, I feel yeah. like between social media and now all of this money that we've saved, if we're deciding not to print a catalog, our company still prints a catalog, but, and it goes digital. So that's also great too. Like we're not just creating this catalog for, for nonsense. But I, I think about if, if companies are to completely quit printing a promotional products supplier catalog, if we're not careful about reinvesting that money somewhere, whether it's in self-promotion and actually getting a product onto a person's desk from our line that leads them to do something else, right. um, we're, we're just essentially wasting that savings that we've accumulated. And I think from, I mean, obviously it's a little bit selfish on my part because I really love social media and I believe in investing in it, but it is not the only tool. It's one of the tools in the toolbox. So providing a self promo campaigns, getting something on their desk with a strong call to action that leads them to these platforms where now they can see our products every day, whatever we decide to share with them. But more importantly, they can connect with us 
personally on these platforms and they can ask right. us questions and we can consult with them right there in this cool little ecosystem. Yeah. So we can spend far more time and a lot less money accomplishing, I think, probably exponentially bigger results if you take the time to do it correctly and to put the right, right. team in place and to play in the right playing fields and getting to know your customers too. Like it, the, you know, the analogy of walking into the office and, and checking out the, you know, the landscape to try and, you know, find a play to have something to talk about. And all of that time shortened, you don't even have to leave or walk in anybody's office to do that anymore. Then when you actually do walk in their office, I think that's my favorite part of social media. You already know them. When yeah. you walk in, I'm like, we went to lunch. I'm like, I can probably tell you what you're going to want to order for lunch. I know that when we <laughs> sat down at lunch, we couldn't even eat our food or even We had to take drink. pictures. We had to take it. Like, hold my camera. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Make I knew ahead of time that you weren't even going to judge me for wanting to take a picture with the cute paper exactly. straw in the cup in front of the fireplace because I know That's that. That's what we do. That's and what we do. Like when we met, I felt like you and I have been best friends for so long because we were connected online for so long. So when people yeah. think, well, social media, I, I'm more of a people person. That's the beauty of it. That's the goal is you want to build relationships, not just push your stuff. Right. And so I think we're at this convergence where we need the two worlds to come together, which I actually, I think it's really cool that we're seeing that. Like, look how many people are buying very retro things, you know, oh, uh, yeah. Polaroid cameras <laughs> and, and, and doing knitting clubs. Yesterday, we discovered a really interesting a woman who collects locks and keys. And she says, oh my gosh, we do all this on Facebook in a group. And so we were talking about how all these real life groups and, and very retro type activities, board games and things, but yet people, while they're doing them, take pictures and share them on social, or they engage with other people who have similar interests on social. So it's the two worlds colliding. I think as a business, what we have to look at is how do I provide my high touch service, but also how can technology help me do that mm -hmm. and approach customers that might be on both sides of that fence? Because we can't turn our back to things because we don't understand it or out of fear. We have to embrace the new tools and say, you know, I'm going to find ways to incorporate this. So yeah, yeah that's, and, and the beauty is, you know, they say you, you, as soon as you stop learning, you die. So the beauty is we have lots to learn. There's a lot. There's always another mountain and pack lots of snacks. That's right. And pack lots of snacks. <laughs> there we go. We just brought it all full circle all and brought us circle. back to the beginning at the end in full backwards day style. We got it. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. More snacks. More Pack more snacks. So if you've learned anything today, before you climb another mountain, there's always another mountain and definitely pack more snacks. Everybody listening now can follow you and connect with you and learn about your dogs and your kids and your, yeah. your captain and your hiking. And um, hopefully they can get to know you and fall in love with you and your friendship um, just like I did. So definitely um, connect with me. I love connecting with people on social media. So on, on whatever social, your favorite social channel is, um, I'm everywhere you want to be just Ooh. at Gina Shrek. And uh, I always say it is Shrek like the movie, but it's spelled with C's instead, you know, S C H R E C K. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And so on any platform we can connect with you there. Um, we can also buy your book. Your book again is called. Oh, thank you. It's called social media doesn't work unless you do. Awesome. And, that's available <laughs> and it's available Amazon. everywhere. Amazon, oh, yeah. Barnes and Noble, um, I always say they're your, your favorite bookstores right now. I'm trying to drive everyone to Amazon to get it because Amazon does the whole algorithm thing that if you have a lot of traffic in the first couple of weeks of your book 
being released, obviously they then start promoting it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But thank right. you so much. This has been so fun. I'm honored to be your first podcast guest. I love I'm it. I'm honored that you were my first podcast guest. So thank you so much for doing me the honor of, of jumping in and being here. And more importantly, um, thanks for being on social media all those years ago and for connecting with me and being so gracious with your time and your talent and your energy. And I just love it. And can't wait to see you again in person shortly. I'll be back in Arizona, I think at the end of February. So Fantastic. we'll, we'll, um, cook up a good fun date. Awesome. I will bring my pen and my book and I can't wait to get my book signed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, everybody have a fantastic day. Gina, have Thanks, an amazing Judy. day. Thank you. Bye. And uh, good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.